Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast bringing you true crime from around the world. Cambo, grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. Well, hi Islanders. Tonight's case has been researched and written by my friend and who is also one of the True Crime Island Facebook group's moderators, Tony Fairburn. Thanks, Tony, so much for this and gives me a bit of a break from all of this sort of research and writing myself. Tony is an aspiring podcaster, so this will be a good dip of the toe into those waters. Okay, so this week our story is about a man who created a cult called the Order of St. Charbel, professing to spread the word of God. And that's not all. The cult was used to groom young girls to satisfy his sexual hunger. Now, he's said to have fathered more than 20 children. The leader of this cult would gain the trust of the husband of a family and it's to no surprise that this family often included a daughter or daughters in their early teens. His aim was to recruit the family into the order and once recruited, the man was expected to give up his wife and daughters. The man was convicted not once but twice as a pedophile. His order still operates today, although he is currently not allowed to enter the order's premises at Camberwarra. Now, this is the story of William Cam, also known as the Little Pebble. He is now known as William Costellia, the founder of the Order of St. Charbel. Now, the sources used for this week's episode are Court Records, the Sydney Morning Herald, the New Zealand Herald, the Daily Telegraph, Wikipedia, Klaxo.net, AussieSexOffenders.wordpress.com, the Illawarra Mercury, the HuffingtonPost.com.au, and little uh, LittlePebble.org, Rock Chopping with the Little Pebble, Shelley Wickham and Christopher Hartney, that, that book, uh, The Age, and the Religious News Blog. Okay, so we go to the quiet rural town of Camberwarra. It's located about 11 kilometres from Nowra in New South Wales. The 2016 census figures recorded a population of only 238 people. The much busier seaside area of Jarvis Bay with its sparkling beaches is not, not that far away. Now, Jarvis Bay swells with an influx of tourists over the summer months, keen to bask in the sun and spend their hard-earned dollars at the various restaurants, bars, clubs and pubs. Yet even though Camberwarra is relatively close, members of the Little Pebble or Order of St. Charbel do not enjoy the same freedom. They live in a wired compound. Now, Cam has established the order on approximately 52 acres or 21 hectares in a reasonably remote area. Now, this would prove advantageous to Cam as the compound was generally closed to the public. Now, he had control over his order and it was considered that the wired fences around the compound were designed to keep people in rather than keeping people out. But then it's also claimed the the wired fences are to prevent outsiders harming members of the order. 
And it is so much easier to control people when they have no contact with the outside world. If you are their whole world, and by that I mean Cam the Little Pebble, a delusional cult leader who has you believing his every word, well that's a lot of control. But there's more on that later in this story. So let's backtrack a little here to where he came from and what brought him to this point. Now, Cam was born in 1950 in a turbulent Germany that was trying to recover after the war. Germany was torn and struggling. Cam's mother and father had intentions to make a future together, but despite this, William Cam was born to his mother without the support of a father. His grandparents soon took over a great deal of the rearing of William, and all in all, it was a loving environment. His mother needed to earn a living, which made this extended family arrangement necessary, but she still saw William. He was loved by both his mother and grandparents. He was particularly fond of his Omar, or grandmother, and his Omar always called him her sunshine boy. Now, Cam's mother went on to marry another man in Germany when Cam was very young, and this man raised William and regarded him as his own son. Now, around 1953, a daughter was born, so Cam had a sister. The young family of now four became interested in a scheme where they could gain assisted passage to Australia and be guaranteed employment once there. Now, after living in such bleak conditions in Germany, this would have been seen as a wonderful new start and a chance for a better future. They decided to take up this opportunity, even though it would have been difficult to say goodbye to their opa and oma. William found this goodbye particularly hard because he was so close to his grandparents, especially to his oma. Now, after a great big long boat trip, they finally arrived in South Australia, and it wasn't all easy at first, but they did get better slowly. Their first temporary home, if you could call it that, was near a hot railway siding in a shack on the Nullarbor in South Australia, for, and they had this for a few months. Now, supplies were brought in by train for them. Now, this was a hell of an introduction to life in Australia. You can only imagine that they were assuring each other that it was only temporary and it's got to get better than a fucking shack in the middle of the Nullarbor. Next, the family of four were moved into a farm in South Australia to work where they lived in a one-room pump house. Now, I could find nothing about the conditions they were living in, but by all accounts, their employer was a very fair lady who did the right thing by her workers, if they did the right thing by her. Now, I suppose this could be considered a step up in the world. The mother and stepfather worked long hours and proved the stuff they were made of. On top of that, both of them soon managed to get additional jobs that borrowed in extra cash. The owner of the property they were working at seemed really decent. So decent that she soon offered the family the use of a two-room bungalow next to her home. She later gave the family the opportunity to buy acres that were planted out so that they had the opportunity to earn money from them and gave the family time to repay her. The family accepted this generous offer. Now, with the family's strong worth ethic and additional jobs, it wasn't long before they'd built a home and paid back the original amount for the land. At a later stage, they purchased additional adjoining land from another landowner to increase their land holdings. 
Now, there was a little bit of luck involved, but a lot of hard work that ensured that William Cam seemed to have a good start to life thanks to his parents' good work ethics. At school, he did well both academically and at sports. The family were Catholics, Roman Catholics, and Cam does mention that a Catholic priest made unwelcome advances to him in his childhood and at a later date, which he refused on both occasions. Now, some years later, there were marital problems caused mostly by his stepfather's drinking, and the family returned to Germany in an effort to try and mend the marriage. Now, Cam spent some time back in Germany with his parents and sister during this time that his parents' marriage was failing. His stepfather ultimately stayed in Germany and his mother returned to Australia with the two kids. His mother eventually remarried when she returned to Australia. William approved and liked his new stepfather. Now, at about the age of 18, in Easter of 1968, Cam claimed he could hear the voice of the Virgin Mary. As he grew older, he claimed not only to be in contact with the Virgin Mary, but also with St. Joseph, Jesus Christ, and some other angels and heavenly occupants. Now, part of Cam's scam that he used in later years to lure young girls was to say that they could communicate through him to the Virgin Mary. Now, this was one of his main grooming techniques. Cam ended up working in a bank, although on his website it lists his occupation as having held various positions at finance companies. It appears he worked in the area of home loans. Now, it seemed he wasn't terribly stable as he acknowledges he was almost bankrupt in December of 1979. His first religious group that he established was called the Marian Work of Atonement. He would have been about 20, 22 years old at this stage. Now, he was claiming that significant religious events would occur. Now, there's not much information on this group, as it's now been swallowed up by littlepebble.org, also known as the Order of St. Chabelle. Now, if you search for this group on the internet, you're redirected to littlepebble.org, and William Cam is the founder and leader of both groups, and the Virgin Mary is prominent in the artwork of both of these groups. By 1983, William Cam became known as the Little Pebble, which he claimed the order to be part of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, these claims have always been denied by the Catholic Church. The property the order stands on consists of four land parcels at 161 A, B, C and D, Kaluna Drive, Camberwara. Now, that's sometimes called Bangalee. There are two owners listed for these four parcels of land. With the expected millennium prior to the year 2000, Camp changed many of the order's assets into his own name. Now, this could explain why there are two separate owners of the titles for these land parcels. The compound has had many building applications and holds a chapel, a church, at least one permanent home, and for a period, a school. It's claimed that the land is on sacred grounds. Up to 200 people lived on the main Camberwara property at the height of the order's popularity in, the, in a mixture of cabins, caravans and relocatable homes that were set up in rows, arranged like a road. Cam spent most of his time at the Camberwara property. 
Now, there are accounts of people joining the order and selling up their assets, such as their homes and all that, and relocating to the compound at Camberwara. Now, there are other smaller groups in Australia, in Victoria, in Queensland and South Australia, and there are some overseas. Now, some of these groups may only have been the size of a couple of families, maybe one or two. Cam exaggerated numbers in the order to prop up advertising for the Camberwara property, which he considered to be the main hub for the order. Now, while we can't know what people gave Cam financially, remember that his followers were under his spell. The order received government grants as well. That's really nice. As school operated on the premises from 1996 to 2004. Now, they had 31 students and received 332000 in government grants. The school was closed in 2005 after failing to be endorsed by the Education Department. All the equipment and buildings, including the toilet block, were sold. Of course, there were also other donations to the order. Okay, so the order was permitted to collect money under the New South Wales Charitable Fundraising Act. Still today, there is a donation page on littlepebble.org where you can send money to an ANZ bank account in the name of Sandra Costellia at the Little Pebble compound. Now, while the internet wasn't available in the early days of the order, there were still other ways to attract donations. Then there's a system where a dedicated follower or followers give religious groups part of their earnings. Now, this is known as tithing. The amount of money received by this order was quite a lot, but it obviously started to reduce once Cam started to get himself into legal troubles and many of his followers left the order. Now, Cam acknowledges that some of his followers have been very generous in their financial support of him. So now we've set the scene with the Order of St. Sharbal situated on the land at Camberwara. Families have sold up goods and chattels and joined the little pebble to do his good works, totally entranced by his charismatic preaching and prophecies. If you have a look at him, if you just Google a photo of him, you just wonder how. Now, it's all just one big happy family with virtually no contact with the outside world. These people dress conservatively as they're instructed to. The men are in charge of the family with the woman, women only given money for what they're required to buy. There is very little freedom and you're expected to agree with the teachings of the order. The pressure within the group to conform would be great and any downers or those wishing to leave will be talked to by what is often referred to as the cult lawyers. It's their job to convince those whose faith is wavering to stay within the cult and to be to recommit to the group. Those whose views do not totally align with others in the group risk alienation. Claire Ashman is a former cult member who didn't agree with the teachings of the group. She just switched off and waited patiently to get out. She speaks of a time living at the Order of St. Charbel. Claire, who at 18 married a 31-year-old man and moved to the St. Charbel Order, had eight children whilst at the Order. She since escaped the cult and remarried. Her story is one of strength and patience, waiting for the right time to get out with her eight children, which, you know, is pretty amazing in itself. Now, there is an excellent video available online, and she is an excellent speaker. Now, Cam has an interesting take on family values and sexual relations. First off, he's married to Anne, 
Then he has a de facto wife, Bettina, who he starts having children with while still married to Anne. Remember, he's trying to pass him off as near to a Catholic priest as he can. Then he eventually gets around to divorcing his first wife. Now, he writes a document in flourishing language, which he claims that the Virgin Mary has made an exception for him and suspended the laws of adultery, especially for him. Now, it's all good to go with him having multiple wives. Wait until you hear the overarching theory a bit further along. The multiple wives document really makes sense then, and it really is necessary. Now, you've got to remember that Cam has had his followers so brainwashed that they saw him as a figure to be almost worshipped. He was quite charismatic and they believed him. If you hear him speak, he is quite controlled and he speaks in measured, intelligent language. And he comes across as quite believable. Regardless of what he is saying, and a lot of what he is saying is quite unbelievable. And he does make big predictions, I guess, as all cult leaders do. And if I ran a cult, I would also. He had his followers prepare for the end of the world, as they (laughs) tend to do. In preparation, he had them all pray their asses off so that this terrible catastrophe wouldn't happen. He literally put the fear of God in them. And when it didn't happen, he just said that it, it was all the power of the prayer that prevented it. Now, sometimes prayers were required at 15-minute intervals starting at 6.30 a.m. in the the morning until the evening. Now, I guess if I went a day where every 15 minutes I didn't say something like, fuck's sake, I'd have the cult of fuck's sake, I suppose. Anyway, so every 15 minutes they're, they're praying all day. Now, his followers were supposed to go into private prayer after that. But the thing was, he just went and made another prediction. You know, these poor people would have ended up just prayed out, but they kept on following him. He predicted that he would be appointed the next pope, in spite of the fact that the Catholic Church has at no stage recognised him or his order, and that there is a long line of cardinals in line perfectly qualified to become the next pope. Now, when this didn't happen, he said he approved of the appointment of the new pope that they did get, and that it was God's will. How many times I've heard, oh, it's God's will. But prediction, the prediction was that a pope would rise from the dead and appoint him as the next pope. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't make this shit up, can you? Now, he's right into these predictions. And some of these dates, of course, have come and gone. One is World War Three. Another one is Perth and Wollongong are going to be destroyed. Another one is Australia is just going to get destroyed by Indonesia. And these are just a couple of them. Now, the preparation for for one, I'll go through now. Now, William, this is in the 80s. William had people stockpile food, farming equipment, water, clothes and provisions for an apocalypse. This was all detailed in a great list so that you had provisions for seven days. Now, this list went into great detail, including... 4 by 12 ounce cans of Libby's corn beef products, 10 cans of smoked Vienna sausage, 2 by 10.5 ounce cans of Spanish style vegetables, gazpacho, one bag of one pound almonds in the shell. Now, the list goes on and on and basically provides for four people. Now, apparently our Blessed Mother, the Virgin Mary, went into considerable detail and choice of brand before she gave this list out. Now, this is a better list than 
the one that God gave to Noah. And just thinking of this place, if God's looking down at him, he'd be saying, Noah, go and get the boat, will you? We're going to sort this lot out. Anyway, that's just a few examples of his failed prophecies. Now, some are not prophecies, though. On the 6th of March, 1999, William tells us the Virgin Mary wants us to change the Australian flag. Now, nice idea, but I don't think either the RSL, Returned Services League, or the Constitutional Monarchists are going to agree with that. Now, get ready. Here comes the overarching theory that's quite unbelievable. But the thing is, his followers believe him. This is why he needed the Virgin Mary to suspend the laws of adultery, especially for him. Now, he convinced people that God had told him of another coming apocalypse and that he, Cam, would lead survivors through as Pope. He would repopulate or spawn the earth with an immaculate race in the holy new era and intended choosing 12 queens and 72 princesses to do this. Now, (laughs) this sounds like a bit of a harem. You can see how he conned so many of these young, innocent girls. Some were as young as 13 when he began touching them. One report said he selected one girl at the age of 11. He's a grown man. He knows exactly what he's doing. But, you know, we can all see where this is going. He was preying on those he was supposed to be advising and protecting. They were so young. And an even bigger problem was, sadly, the parents were convinced by his stories. Look, some, but not all of them, were blinded by what was really going on with Cam and their daughters. Some parents actually knew what was going on and thought the fact that their daughter had been chosen was a great honour within the order. Now, Cam told his followers that he could speak to the Virgin Mary, that if they wanted to speak to her as well, they could write letters and Cam would communicate the contents to her and receive a response from the Virgin Mary for the writer. Now, can you imagine the power this gave Cam? Can you imagine the power it gave him over a believing adult, let alone a 13-year-old girl? Now, this was his way of grooming them. The letters tendered in in court records were unsavoury, to say the least, and he has only been charged twice. Now, how often this technique's been used before, but he was never caught out. He used the term mystical marriage to describe his relationship with young girls on several occasions as a term to tie them to him. He did this when he had sex with the underage girls. He was trying to convince the girls that they were in some sort of legitimate relationship with him, that they had been or would be selected as one of his princesses or queens, and that they should feel honoured. Some of these young girls, in fact, did feel honoured because they thought that the Virgin Mary was speaking through Cam and it was her who had selected them. Now, this is a horrible state of affairs, really, a pedophile in charge of innocent people who trusted him. It's just really fucked up. Now, this is where it all comes unstuck. Now, before I go into the crimes that this guy's committed, which are pedophilia, it needs to be said that these crimes were hidden for a long time. It wasn't like your normal crime where someone goes out, commits a crime, and then they're discovered, the authorities are after them. Because of the secretive nature of this order, many of his actions were seen as normal within the order or community and masked or said to be something else. Many of his actions were not seen as he had almost a godlike status. His followers generally believed he was above reproach. 
In 2002, a family was living on the compound when the mother of an underage girl found sexually explicit letters written to her daughter by Cam and she was shocked. She said that while aware of mainstream Catholic teaching, she didn't know when she joined Cam's community that it was outside the mainstream church. She just thought it was extra conservative. She then went to a sexual assault counsellor and a complaint was made to police in August 2002. The girl has since liaised with media. In 2002, Cam was officially charged by Nara Police on six counts of sexual assault and four counts of aggravated sexual assault, one count of indecent assault and one count of aggravated act of indecency. A second man who was also living at the time on the Camberwara property was aged 73 years old. He faced two charges of indecent assault. At this time, conditional bail was granted to both these men. The girl involved had been selected by Cam when she was 13 to be one of his queens. The girl said she was thrilled because of the belief she and her family had in Cam. He also persuaded her he was in a mystical marriage and had various dealings, including digital penetration in a car. The Crown produced a series of lurid love letters from July 1993, saying, I am not pressing you in any way to make love because there is plenty of time and you must get to know me better to develop this love. The Catholic Church was quick to publicly distance themselves from Cam and the Order, officially denouncing him in 2002, saying the Order of St. Charbel's teachings were false, harmful and contrary to those of the Catholic Church. Now, the Catholic Church made it perfectly clear that it was a police matter and had nothing to do with the Church. Now, he was ordered to disband this Order by the Catholic Church. Obviously, he didn't do that. Now, Cam had been rejected by the Catholic Church, not only for his order, but before as a trainee priest when he applied. Now, he does list his mentor, a man who was very briefly a Catholic priest, former Father Malcolm Broussard, who only was with the church for a short period and then left. Now, this ex-priest and Cam appear in ceremonies dressed in similar fashion to Catholic priests. The Catholic Church has since excommunicated Brassard and stripped him of his holy orders and responsibilities because of his association with the order. In 2005, religious cult leader Cam finally has his day in court and is jailed for up to five years with a minimum of three and a half years for sexual assault and aggravated sexual assault of a 15-year-old girl that was one of his followers at the Cambawarra compound. Hardly enough time, I would think. Now, the would-be Pope is now a prisoner, prisoner number 389834. Now, Cam was charged a second time on similar charges, but I find this even harder to stomach as the girl's mother was totally under Cam's spell. Not only was one of her daughters married to Cam, she endorsed the fact that she was having sex with two of her other daughters, and I'm thinking this included the underage girl as well. Now, Cam, 56, ordered the girl, then 14, to have sex with him, saying it was God's will because she was chosen by the Virgin Mary to help him repopulate the earth with his mystical seed. At his sentencing, some of these documents were produced. He gave advice to one of his 14-year-old prospective princesses on the 30th of December, 1994. 
Now, he says, please do not experiment sexually with any man. If you desire to have a sexual experience, you can always come to me. What a creepy creep. He is reported to have told a 15-year-old girl, we can make love at any time, but you cannot fall pregnant. Yet, I know how to make love to you without falling pregnant. Oh, fuck's sake. Now, there must have been some bantering in court about when all this started because there seemed to be an argument about whether she was 14 or 16-year-old. But this young girl kept a very childlike diary which helped convict Cam. It isn't surprising to find out the complainant told no one in authority outside the community about what he was doing to her until she left the community. She documented all the occurrences where Cam had sex with her. As part of the judge's summary when handing down the sentence, he says, I find that the offence was part of a planned criminal activity. Indeed, the offender's modus operandi was to pursue the complainant and her parents through the use of fabricated communications with the Virgin Mary to make them do something they would clearly not otherwise have done. He was sentenced in 2007 to a period of 10 years imprisonment because he would not undergo any rehabilitation. His parole was refused and he had to serve nine years in total. Now, it may cause listeners pain to know that Cam, who still protests his innocence, claims to have had feces and urine thrown at him in jail. Well, of course it's going to happen, mate. You're a rock spider. He had aspirations to start a political party on his release to fight for, amongst other things, prisoners' rights in jails. But that hasn't materialised. When Cam was first released, he said he was going to be forced to sell the holy grounds as he couldn't afford the upkeep. There were medical, <laughs> medical, there were media articles about it being in a state of ill repair. And Cam, he also thanked those who continued to support him and the order. The asking price was eight hundred thousand, but he ended up not selling the properties as the order is still at Cambawara. It's currently valued at the same price according to real estate reports. Now, interesting, when the group was confronted by the media after the guilty verdict, Cam's followers emphasized their independence from him and adhesion to their order. They said, We have our own lives. We certainly don't kiss the feet of the little pebble. Mystics and seers are very common. When Cam was finally released from jail, he wasn't allowed to return to the Kambawara Order of St. Shabal where his followers set up. There are in place various restrictions on his release. He's required to wear a tracking device, which I guess is good, report his place of work, if in fact he does work, not to be out after 8pm at night, as well as various other restrictions. On top of that, which is pretty much very important, he cannot be in the company of females under the age of 18 years. Now, his main aim at this point seems to be the return of himself to the Cambawara compound and to his believers. Now, court records show that he's keeping his lawyers well employed as they try to convince the courts he is a changed man and is no longer a threat. But who's going to believe him? He still has followers, albeit a reduced amount, at the Cambawara compound. He still has some power over them, even from afar. He still runs a webpage, or somebody else does it for him, as though he's still on the compound. You only have to look at the website. His face is plastered all over it. 
If he was back onto the compound, he would soon have control again. It's highly unlikely that anyone's going to speak up against him. Remember, these people have struck with him while he was in jail, a convicted pedophile twice over, and many are still protesting his innocence. Yet today, William Cam appears to be keeping a tight control on the order. In fact, he probably still manages to do so, even though he can't actually enter the premises at Camberwara or the Shoalhaven district due to court restrictions. His last report I have of him is of him living in Sydney. Now, he's a very dangerous man who thinks he's done no wrong. Now, these cults and their cult places, or compounds, whatever they are, they, you just got to really think how these sort of things start and how they just continue. Here's this guy who's going to take your money and have sex with your daughters and you think it's okay. Now, if you want to be a cook and the wife goes and has sex with him, and of course, if she is of sound mind, then that's up to you. Whatever lifestyle you want, I'm not going to kink shame. But letting your kids do it, that's just totally fucked up. This cam guy is just a dirty old man with the only remorse coming from the fact that he went inside for a while. I don't know, maybe they should do some DNA testing around the compound to see if there are other mystical beings getting around and hopefully they can stick him inside again. Noah, grab the boat. Well, that's about it for the show. Again, many thanks to Tony for researching and writing the show this week. And oh, she didn't put the swearing in. I put that in and the bit, little bit at the end. So before I go, a big out, shout out to all the patrons. Thank you for all your support. It does keep the lights on as generally this is a commercial free podcast. If you'd like to help out, go to patreon.com forward slash true crime island. Or if you want to buy me a beer, you can shout me out on paypal.me forward slash true crime island links to merch social media and my youtube channel is on the website truecrimeisland.com where you can also email me now i'll be starting up the youtube episodes again in the next few weeks i'll call that season two i guess and it'll include some of the missing episodes so i've been your host cambo you've been listening to true crime island and as i always say don't forget to delete your browser history good night bunga